If you have a heart condition, you cannot volunteer for this. Yikes, who would have thought that? This show is intense, dude. He's on his way to the hospital. Give it a round of applause for hospitals. Welcome to this new chat show that I have. My name is Feminist Stacy, and today I have on my new friend, Linda, who's also a feminist. I'm a real feminist because I got su I sucked off three dudes on my way here, so someone's actually making a difference. Okay, so what do you mean you sucked off three guys on the way here? Yeah, it's called liberating yourself. You heard of it? But why would you lower yourself to a man's knees and suck him off when he could have clearly gone down on you? What you did? Well, I didn't lower myself. I was underneath the van because I was fixing it because that's what a woman does. Okay, I'll give you that. So what I did, the guy came by and he said, that's my truck. Why are you fixing it? I said, well, obviously someone's got to fix it and I can't trust a man to. He said, get away from me. And then I basically took down his pants and sucked him off. And it's called liberating yourself. And I took the power back from him. And then while I was in the zone of taking the power back, there was a guy that was delivering a pizza. So I sucked him off. And then uh, also I should mention that I'm polyamorous. Okay. So all of this is, um, I think it's a good thing to discuss as a couple of feminists. I think that um, some of that, um, I think you need to, as women, we need to, Suck whatever dicks that we want. I think that we can put whatever dicks that we want in our mouth. But at, at, at some point, we don't want to become like it's too free. Do you know what I mean? Then because then the men are taking advantage of us and our sexual prowesses. No, I was I felt so liberated. And I should also mention that my eight-year-old son was there to watch. So I left his father because his father didn't want to take my last name retroactively. Okay, I like this. Continue. So then me and Marcus, my son, I took him out onto the street and I had to show him that women can objectify men too by blowing them all. Now, is your son a feminist as well? He's a feminist boy, yes. I've been raising him gender neutral and I've been raising him to not... I've been raising my son. He says that he's straight, but I told him he waits till he's 25 before he makes that decision. Thank you. And, uh, you know, some people want to say that their favorite color is a certain thing. You can just say your color's gray until you make the proper decision. It doesn't matter. His favorite color is gray, unless it's pink. That's what I've always said. I said, until you're ready for your favorite color to be pink, your favorite color is going to be gray. Do you know what my favorite color is? Translucent. Why is that? Because it's kind of blurry and it has a lot of different colors in it. 
Well, I agree with you that nothing is anything, but when I'm doing, sometimes when I'm doing my OnlyFans liberating myself, I uh, let my son hold the camera because I like him to learn what it looks like for a woman to be actualized. There's two ways to look at OnlyFans. One is objectifying women. Or two, women are taking the power of their own bodies and they're putting it out there and they're making men pay for the things and that they're already looking at and it. other people are oogling over them. So we might as well be making money off of it. Do you have a connected OnlyFans that I can maybe talk to? I have nine different OnlyFans. Nine different OnlyFans? Yes, I have uh, I have one for uh, my front, and then I have one for my back. and then Wait, you have different accounts for different parts of your I body? I should mention that my gender changes very often. So I have one, once those gender changes, I have a different personality, and I go on to a different OnlyFans. Oh, this is so refreshing. So I have non-binary mom 69's oh, one. Continue. And then I have binary mom 69 oh, when I'm I feeling binary. So sometimes I'm feeling binary. And then also I have one um, that's when I'm when I'm switching frequently, sometimes I switch from male to female, from male to female to non-binary frequently. So then I have freaky, uh, freaky 69 is my third OnlyFans. Sometimes when I hook up with a man, I make him put on a strap on pussy just so I can let him know what it's like to have a vagina like me. And I pleasure myself with another vagina that's fake and also with a real one that is mine. I respect that. I respect your hustle. Sometimes uh, what I would like to do is also have men strap all of their penises and I feel like they should permanently wear uh, strap-ons to let it know how we have to go through when we're wearing strap-ons to pegging them. Exactly. Almost yes. like like around Christmas, it's like like reindeer with like antlers of dicks all over their forehead. When I was liberating myself with a man the other night, one of the things I asked him to do was put a strap on on over top of his penis and then peg me with it the way that I would have to peg him so he knows what we have to go through. Well, one time I hooked up with a guy. Have you seen the movie Hellraiser? Yeah. Do you know Pinhead? I'm familiar with Pinhead, okay, yes. I Sexist get, movie, but yes. Okay. Oh, well, we'll get into that in a second. We, uh, we got a hundred little dildos and we put it all over and taped him all <laughs> over his face and he looked like a pinhead dildo hellraiser and I said, this is what it's like to have oh, dicks looked at you all the time as a woman. I said, look at this in the mirror and try to come. He couldn't. They never can come. But what I've, I've sort of had, I've been billing man extra for the mental labor even though I was in a prostitute situation, this is someone that I met on uh, Grinder. But this is, I've been billing people for the mental labor that I've had to put in when I'm pegging them, even though the pegging was my idea. The only dating app I like is Bumble because it's the woman's choice. Well, I don't know if you've been familiar with this with your Bumble hires, but sometimes when you're having sex with people, once they ask you to, once you demand that you peg them, then they start wincing in pain and then they allow you like that's your problem that they're unable to deal with their masculinity being taken away from them. That should be something that I now have to deal with. And that's something I resent. If I can take a dick, so can you. That's what I've been sort of saying. That's what I've been teaching my son, Marcus. Yes. Do you want to sell bumper stickers on your OnlyFans sites? I've wanted to sell bumper stickers that says will suck. And just to let people know that I'm a woman, I'm strong, I am brave, and I will suck you off. Don't think that just because I'm a woman, I'm a fragile person. I will objectify, so if you want to come to my house, and even if it's a lineup of guys, I will take them one by one, taking the power back off, 10, 20 guys at a time.
So you, in a way, when you take a man's cum, is like taking their freedom away. I basically put them in an institutionalized situation where now you know what it's like to be a woman, where I've just put you on the ground and pleasured you. Now, why is Hellraiser a sexist film? Is because they've created a phallic situation mm. to represent uh, the protagonist of the movie. Oh, I see. Where I would like to see holes and craters on that head to represent vaginas. I think most film and most... So you never, you never very much see. You know, when you think about it, Pinhead, some of his minions had holes in them, but they were not as powerful as Pinhead. They're never as powerful. They're never as strong as They're subservient characters. They're, right, they're little side characters that they're serving him in different parts of hell. And it's kind of disgusting. I never thought of that. It's a horror classic film that I love watching every Halloween. I've watched so many other different Hellraisers. But you know, I'm going to look at it in a different light, Linda, because you've shown a different path on me, and I appreciate you being here this is the this is the thing that we see over and over again in cinema that though as soon as someone has a hole in them generally especially when we're talking about a fight movie or a or a crime movie is the Ooh. minute someone has a hole in them now all of a sudden they're weak Ooh, they're i've been weaker. stabbed in my heart oh i'm weak now yeah Ooh, it's disgusting this is a weaker person because they have a hole in them now as opposed to someone that's holding the gun, holding the sword, exuding power. And this I got is something stabbed that, in the eye. I can't see now. Really? Whereas, and then, oh, here's me. I have the sword and I'm doing the stabbing. Look it. I'm a powerful man. I'm a powerful person. And this is something that I'd, I'd appreciate stopping right now. And this Hellraiser film is... You know, uh, is just, just another in a string of misogynist propaganda. It's just disgusting. Linda, it's been such a pleasure to finally vent with another feminist on my new talk show. I love meeting with other feminists. And I love other oh. women that are taking the power back. I do suggest you take a, take a few dicks just to let guys know that you're in charge and you're large. Oh, this is so empowering. Thank you. Do you want to go get brunch or like lunch or like dinner? You know what? Let's go grab a steak lunch because as women, we're the, you know, the, the, so many people are like, oh, you can only get brunch as a woman. You can only do a coffee date. I've heard that. Let's do a carnivore lunch, all you can eat buffet. What do you think, Linda? Women can get carnivore buffets. Women can fart and burp. I make a point of farting and burping at all meals. I basically turned my family into the clumps to show people that that's the kind of thing that women can do as well. I'll show up with my tits out at a family dinner and let people know that, oh, oh, uh, women can be gross too. I'm sorry. Women can show up with period stains and shit stains on their body. And that's not for you to tell me what a woman's body can do. I burped at a dinner on a date once and a guy said, did you just queef? And I killed him. You should have killed him because that's not something that he the, he thinks that society's not ready for a woman that can burp, queef, and shit potentially. I've done it all the time, same times uh, simultaneously on the same dick before. I rarely don't, you know, because someone you have to sometimes lead by example. So I mostly I was at a job interview the other day and I took a, a shit in my pants during the interview. I did not get that job, which I'm assuming was related to the shit because that's the expectations where if that was a guy shitting in the interview, he probably would have got high fived and been promoted to the CEO. And we're just going to leave you with that. OK, just think about that that there's still not equal rights for women and men and people of different color and people of different sexes. Just keep that in mind and have a lovely day. Keep that in mind. Be better. Oh, snap.
Snap dog. Snap dog. Ryan Long's all the way in from the Big Apple. How you doing, brother? Rocking in from the Big Apple. Hey, I got a quick. Know what I was thinking that because um, there's a there's a few uh, other musicians in the comedy industry. Yeah. Do you find are you good, you're good at drums, right? Uh, I'm not good at drums. Is that the only one? Um, no, I mean I can I can do a little of of a handful of instruments. Do you find that you're a good editor because of that you're a good musician? Oh, interesting. I'm a so I I've video edited for many years. Yeah, yeah, um, I know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've never really thought of that. Um, I don't know. I think that there's definitely a musicality with with editing the way Huge. like the flow like I just a video that you posted recently the the I I mean and I do this all the time like comedically with music like the hard stops in and out like to keep pacing going yeah. and stuff like that and that's I think that's a musician thing where it's just like like oh no this needs a little bit of of something here this needs a like you know Yeah a yeah. lot of times there's the the people that uh, I find are musicians, there's like something off balance about it. But I've been, um, tr you know, I've been uh, making videos forever and I've been, I've never, it's very hard to find someone that's a good editor, right? That's probably the hardest thing to find. I found three or four and all of them were musicians. And the most recent one I found, like I didn't know this about him and he's pretty decent and we've been working together for a while. And then he was like, yeah, I've been a musician. I was in these bands and I was like, I've never found a really good. And even if you look, I used to like, like Tom Green, I was big into him and sure. people like that. Like, you know, like Tim and Eric and those guys kind of invented a genre. Yeah. All musicians. Yeah. Uh, you know, that I've guy. I've never that, thought of this before. That guy who edits uh, Key and Peel and all those, Portlandia, all those shows. He's like a, a DJ. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, the Jackass guys originally, like Bam Margera, those guys were metal musicians. Yeah, CKY, all that stuff. Yeah. That's so interesting. So I've never found like a really, really good editor. And there's, all, I always found guys, uh, I've been making videos since I was like, you know, 15 or whatever, right? Yeah. And I guess you might've been in this situation too, where it almost became that uh, being a comedian, now you need to do everything. Else. Like you have to be a, a video editor. You gotta be like a, you have to essentially be like a rocket scientist now if you want to do stand up, right? Oh dude, it's literally like the ultimate Renaissance man feeling. It is like, a real Renaissance man situation. It's crazy. Yeah. The, the amount of like the plates that I feel like you have to spin now to be like a current stand up where, in the 50s, like, if you were just a great joke writer, you might have yeah, just been you famous. You go to the Tonight Show, just whatever. No, right now you're doing, which I kind of like to some degree. But yeah, you're even when we come here to your studio, you've got, you know, a saxophone here. You're, like, getting props ready. You, ha you have to know how to work all the cameras. You have to know how to set put sets together. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you're doing all. I mean, I mean, this is all, this is, I built all this out myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of people, they go, I'll just hire people to do it. And you're like, yeah, and it'll be worse. Oh, well, also, it's harder to find. I mean, if you just throw tons of money at stuff, you can always find people. But it's kind of harder than you think when you're like, yeah, I'll, I'll hire somebody to build out a studio. It's like, who? who? And what they, well, they, everyone, they're good at, people are good at doing the job if you know exactly what you want. Yeah. But a lot of time the job is figuring that out. Like I built out a studio and it was kind of like, well, what do you want it to look like? And I was like, I don't know. That's the job, I guess, to figure that out. Right. What's yeah. the aesthetic? What like how are you wanting it to be yeah. viewed by? Ideally, I'd want you to uh, do something and then look, give it to me, and I'd be like, sick. Yeah, that's awesome. Because <laughs> if I once you're spending all the time and being like, I, this is exactly what I want, he's like, oh, I've made it, basically done it now. Right. Which is then what, what I yeah, did. Then, then what's the point? Yeah. Then what's the point at that point? 
it took me forever. Well, you have an ecstatic that kind of suits you or whatever, but yeah, I was that was one of the biggest things when I was doing the my studio was like. I tried out like 80 different looks. I just had a board of so many studios. And I just I just kept buying stuff. Like I would buy uh, like curtains and I would buy different like backgrounds and I'd put them up and shelves and stuff. And I go, okay, not that. It's kind of like trial and error to some degree. I just love how, you know, how passionate you are. And you really have to be to want to do all of this. Like yeah. uh, you put out videos every single Monday. For people who don't know, like if they don't really think about it, that's really hard to do yeah that's like a you know what i mean like to consistently put that out like i always every say week. that's what you know there's a problem with like whenever there's certain people that do this stuff and they're kind of like oh i want to like get to the point where i don't have to do that anymore it's like well if you hate the thing then don't do this like if right. your whole goal is to get away from the thing <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah 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 so you have to and it's it's hard sometimes especially when you're touring stuff to because to, you're just like okay i just let me get uh, like two or three in the can so I don't have to think about that and I could do this but if you so that's when I I know I need to like stop and even touring I was like okay I need to like start canceling some dates I need to start actually being at home and thinking about videos because I'm like if, if I'm not making good stand up and making good videos then it's like eventually the whole pyramid's gonna like topple right. right and then everything starts to suffer together rather than and you hate it and you're and you're not gonna make anything yep. good when you hate it so I try to I try to be like stand-ups like the business card that everything like sits on and then mm -hmm. for me the videos is the thing where i'm just like i have to make sure that i'm like in the zone making what i consider funny because that has to be able to like re-energize you a little bit where you're yeah. just like F that little thing once a week where you're just like that's funny okay that's okay we're on yeah. we're like we're moving forward I think here there's something there comedically with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah even just like a some of the times and you and then you get better at knowing where you get this won't do as good but I think it is really funny. Yeah. As opposed to, so you kind of get better at like the energy of, I know this isn't as good. This won't do as good, but I know it's really funny. And I, and knowing how often you can do that, like every video can't just be like, this is a deep cut. Well, yeah. I mean, you got to do like three for them, one for you kind of thing. Yeah. You go kind of go, there's yeah, there's sort of like a science now to your pattern of what you release as well. You grew up in Canada, right? Yeah, I'm so, from Toronto. I feel like you and I were probably living very similar lives as far as like with video making and stuff like that. Like I'm from Kansas, you're from Toronto. Yeah. Like we're probably, you know, different sides <laughs> of the world. Were you like a, you were like a musician, skateboard kid sort of situation? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I was I was more I was never great at skateboarding. I always like filmed videos for my friends because I was good at filming. So I I'm like, hey, I can ride and I'll follow okay. you. You know what I mean? So I had like a <laughs> Canon GL2 and I was like following them around yeah. stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, I never got good at skateboarding. Uh, but played sax for a long time and uh, I had always wanted to be in bands. And, and until I moved to LA, that's when I actually started actually playing with Did bands. Did you find the ska like scene? No, but I mean, uh, I know that the that's sax how you is... get in this. That's what we used to always say because I was playing in a punk ska band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to always say that you could tell which bands just raided the band department, where it's like five people that look like they're in a band, and then five people that like fucking look like nerds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
just like no front men whatsoever <laughs> yeah <laughs> just like okay well that guy i thought he was your roadie but <laughs> yeah that guy has no business being in like a punk band but right. they, you know they needed a saxophone player so they just raided the band department in some dork school oh yeah <laughs> just like just like coke bottle glasses is like i'm here for the scop <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> how are you doing yeah man that uh, was the weird that was the weirdest mix of uh, especially when it was like the reggae bands because there'd be the like reggae guy component so you'd have like punk kids like black reggae guy and then just fucking band geeks right <laughs> all in like a band together yeah well you you played in bands for a long time yeah 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 dude retired that's sick i'm dude. out of the game dude what was what was the final what was the final thing where you're like i gotta i gotta hang up you know uh, I wasn't going good anymore. <laughs> I mean, that's a no. Pretty... It's a young man's game, dude. I, I I feel like I even I think I got uh, better as I get older at kind of like knowing and trusting your own instincts. Yeah, and not there is some degree even the like wild comedy game i think i'm aware of that too whereas i used to do like the wildest shit when i was 15 16 i used to do tv shows in canada where it was all getting kicked out of places and stuff like that a lot and of hidden camera kind of stuff a lot of hidden camera yeah. a lot of getting kicked out of malls and you know the where the whole gag was that we're causing trouble right a lot of it was that. We the ending, the big payoff is that you get kicked out of the location. Ideally, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the gag didn't work, right? Mm -hmm. Now I, d I think I'm better at this, but that's a... When, so I think that you kind of look at the young young people a little bit for the wildness and the there's like an energy there that is sort of like just attractive. Right. But ideally, you can't compete with like the wild... 20 year olds that just be in, in the being wild game so you hopefully can still have some of that essence left in you but then you're better at the thing so you're you can kind of do more interesting gags and you take comedy to like a, a place where you're being older you have that skills that they don't have at 20 because you can't compete in the being wild 20 year old game i did this um this thing when i was uh in high school that was like a a prank hidden camera segment that was yeah. real popular that it was so popular that another school saw it and they ripped it off for me the idea nice and i mean that's when you know you're onto something yeah. when other schools are ripping you <laughs> off dude it was this it was a very simple segment i was on crutches and there's a hidden camera that was in the distance and it was all a, a test to see who would help me out and you there was like uh so i just be like going down the hall and then just freaking eat it you that's know? a classic it's a classic you yeah know? and uh it was more just to see like which students would help and there was multiple teachers that didn't help and, and you we caught aired it yeah we aired it on the school <laughs> and and they looked like huge dicks like one guy is literally just looking at me like what is going on it's like one of the coaches yeah like and uh yeah, the, the it went over well at the school because it's like, oh, that's what that guy so was funny. doing that way. It's like so silly. There's an a, there's a show called Just for Laughs Gags. If you know that show, uh, and they okay. were the original. It it was so it's uh probably Canada's biggest show, but it's from oh, Montreal. Really? And the reason it's the biggest show is because it has no language barrier, right? So it's it, it plays in every country in the history of the world. And facial yeah, expressions. Yeah, yeah, right. Like dumbass friendship, right? They just would do the like the the cheesiest gags over and over and over again, and ninety percent of the show was like 
blind cane gags of, and this would be the ones right like, it'd be a guy and he'd be walking by people and then he would like fall down a manhole and then it would be like with them helping and like you know uh most gags like when you kind of you know even just ambush comedy whatever like if you right. think of ali g the best ones are you sort of put someone in an awkward position 90 mm -hmm. percent of their gags are just like a funny thing happens and then people go they're like they're not even involved right right so like a lot of them would be that like a blind guy like falls over and then people they like get people kind of being like that's it right they, they don't even put them in a situation yeah but so much of their things one of them was a blind gig where there's a construction worker and they had him <laughs> they had him walking over like uh these like high boards and then they just kept, uh, like, Mr. Magoo style. They mm -hmm. kept, you know, coming right at the... He was just about to die, and it would... And, and then something would save it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the whole thing was they'd have this big setup, and then the whole payoff was they'd show people on the street, like, pointing at it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I did, the worst show. I did... Uh, I was, did this stand-up bit, like, years ago where I was just, like, comparing the hidden camera shows, like, between the U.S. and other countries... Jamie because, Kennedy was a good one from here. Oh, dude, the Jamie Kennedy experience, experiment was like, I loved that show. I used Show's to watch great. it with my, my mom underrated. all the time. So underrated. He he pulled off some great, great pranks on that show. Do you remember when he was a lifeguard? So he was, <laughs> this is just like a 30 second thing. There's, but he was basically, uh, he, he goes, he blows the whistle and he's like, everyone get out of the pool. I needed to go to the bathroom. And then he just walks into the pool and then just like pretends to piss for 30 seconds, walks back out, gets on his lifeguard thing. And he goes, <laughs> everyone back in. <laughs> That's a great bit. So stupid. He was, it's so funny. He does a large black woman so well. He can't do it anymore. But like they used to put him in full prosthetics and oh, he used to be great. like this fat black woman who would prank people. And it was so funny, but like we're just like in a diff different time. Now it's hard to pull off blackface. It's, it's hard to pull that off now. Yeah, blackface is tough. <laughs> you got <laughs> you got to really like have an extravagant reason why. Right. Unless, because and you know what the other thing is like I think you could someone might be able to pull it off, but like it, it Robert really Downey does. Jr. was the last person to effectively like he did a character. And he got nominated for his yeah. acting for it. You know what I mean? I think there was a few places place that did it. But it's like, it really falls into... You can't do it without it being the shtick of like... It's like an edgelord move. Right. Whereas a lot of things that you, you just want to do it. But it's like... So even if you do get to pull it off, it just became its own thing of... the own, There's a lot of jokes like that where you're just like, I would love to do this joke. But it's like certain types of accents where it's like you can't just like really do an indian accent in your bit without like the bit kind of being that i'm doing an indian accent yeah that's the, the people are laughing at it like for the wrong reasons kind of thing yeah you almost have to talk about the context of the taboo mm -hmm. rather than the just doing it right which at that point like if that's your purpose but a lot of times that's not what the original by the thing time was. you talk about it you're like well uh, that's not funny anymore i yeah <laughs> i just did all like having to over-explain jokes. Well, there's that. like an old principle, I feel like, that with the first people, as soon as someone says, like, you can't talk about this, right? Yeah. Then in the, it's like the next step is you kind of make fun of the people that told you you can't talk about it, which is, I think, what a lot of, 
you know, a lot of people have done right now. There's a lot of people right now telling you, this is what you can't say. Right. And then the natural instinct is to, it's not, to, it's to maybe to say the thing, but more about make fun of the people that are telling you what you can say and what you can't say. Mm -hmm. And then they go, oh, you have a problem with uh, that you can't say this. And you're like, more so, yeah, I just have a problem with you now, it feels like. So I think then that's kind of what happens with the blackface. It's like, the blackface wouldn't be, it would only be a comment a comment on like the culture of you not being able to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thanks. Yeah, makes sense. So there's no way to just like do a fucking pure blackface. <laughs> That's what my point is for the blackface purists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the people who still really are wanting <laughs> to really do it. It's like, for dude, the art. Dude, I'm in it for the right reasons, mm. dude. <laughs> this has nothing to do with being edgy like i just no dude like i just like doing character work <laughs> and that's just what it is bro yeah so like just like can you back off a little bit dude <laughs> so there's no way you could pull that off but jamie kenny there was him what? for me it was him tom green oh yeah um and there was another show in canada called the buzz which was a big one and then there's probably like ali g show when it first came out those were my things i used to work at a morning radio doing. station called the buzz oh really yeah yeah yeah. did they have all the like did they have people doing the classic radio stuff uh this one wasn't so much that because this was the alternative rock station so they actually hated that classic they hated the morning zoo they hated that kind of stuff okay. yeah so they were like it was yeah they were too cool for school exactly no, they were like, I'll never use a sound effect gun to my mom's head. Oh, yeah. They rarely, <laughs> yeah, they rarely use that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's, I, I was, uh, my favorite one was when we used to tour a lot listening to the, the small town ones where, because all the rock stations kind of slowly turned into top 40 to some degree. Oh, for sure. And, but they all sort of had the same vibe where I just, there was a one that me and my friends used to always joke about. There's this guy and he was kind of like, you know, we're the station that plays whatever the bleep we want to. Like, we don't listen. It was kind of that vibe. We yeah, don't listen yeah. to the rules. And then it came back and he goes, all right, now here's another one from R R Taylor Swift. <laughs> Just for the hardest, uh, the hardest, I don't know, whatever. Taylor Swift has fallen upon hard times again. Yeah. She broke up with another guy. <laughs> Hit it, Taylor. <laughs> I did one recently where it was, I, I won't, I, I, all I remember is the guy's name was legitimately something like the animal or whatever, like the cliche. Right. He had some animal. But I guess now the dynamic is it's always like one of those guys and then like a black lady that would have been like a top 40 kind of thing. That's like the pairing it feels mm -hmm. like now. Like an old school white like road dog DJ and then kind of like a R&B like black chick and they have like zero chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> and that was and but there's and you're kind of like who's possibly listening to this right well, a, a lot of people i guess still listen to the morning radios and stuff. I, I was shocked every once in a while i'll do press and like it in works an area. yeah I, I will sometimes be like so how do you guys hear about the show you know what i mean like if i'm and they like did and then someone would be like i saw like i heard you're on the radio this morning i'm like worked that's crazy uh, <laughs> that almost bothers you because when that happens you go Ugh, like I was hoping it was Noah. <laughs> right, right. And then you're like, oh, I guess I got to go do yeah, more of yeah. those. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually effective. Oh, okay. Fuck. Let's get back to it. Yeah. you. That's the idea is you go, then you, I would have loved for the experiment for me to now go tell managers and agents to go do morning radio. You go, I already, no one, you know, I, I yeah. don't, I've run the experiment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what would you say is one of the, like one of the, cause you do, uh, 
a lot of characters and you've done a lot of characters over the years in um, your, your sketches and stuff like that. What would you say what a character that has gotten the most like response where people are like, I don't know, like, I don't know necessarily think a negative response, but spark the most conversation out of characters that you've done. I feel like I don't want to take credit, like being a character guy. Cause the truth is I'm not like, I kind of do like, you seem like a guy that actually can do characters. I mean, I've even saw some of the videos you were doing with Dick Josh and stuff like that. And you got, I actually just, I feel like there's two types of people, people that can do like voices and characters and actually get into characters. Mm -hmm. And then I feel like I can write for characters, but all my characters are me in a different hat with the same voice. So I, well, you have a very distinct voice. Yeah. But, and even the way I talk. So, you know, how like even like Tim and Eric and shows like that, like they were just putting a different hat on and yeah. So I don't actually do any characters to be honest. I just put on a wig and a hat and change nothing. <laughs> I change the words. I lo I'd love for you to teach a character workshop where you're like, welcome guys, this is how we're going to do it. You don't need to change your voice. You don't need to change anything. But we do have wigs here. Yeah, I, I if I'm a hockey player, it would be like, you know, and I'm a hockey player. And if I was... <laughs> It's like the the people. Uh, yeah, who, I'm a school teacher now, and this who is do the impression by saying like like that's what I'm I do. So and so, yeah, do, yeah, yeah. I'll do, this is how I would do it. I go, I'm a skateboarder, and I'll switch this over to now I'm a guy that works at the chicken place at the mall. Simple as that. Made that shift, and if we're gonna switch it over to, I'm a bus driver. So just driving the bus here. So every, I mean, if you think about it, it's like you know that thing where it's. Like how many character, how many movies or TV shows have Norm Macdonald been in where he played the same? Oh, dude, it's great. or Sandler, or anyone? Sure. I, I put myself more in that category where it's like I put on a different hat and then change nothing. Gotcha. But I feel like I'm fairly good at like writing cultures. Sure. So I feel like I write, like if I did, I, I've done a lot of. Um, like I was making all these videos about band culture that were going viral. And then I was doing stuff about like Toronto culture where I was kind of doing like chefs and like bartenders and, and now, and I've been doing a lot of new New York stuff and then kind of political culture stuff, but all of the guys the same, but I've, I feel like I'm able to maybe hit on the pulses where I'm like, Oh, that is that guy, but not my, the way that I act, just the I, way that I write. I like some of your, um, your man on the street stuff too, where like you're just asking an old guy who is six, seven feet away from his wife, like about his gay experiences and stuff <laughs> like that. And you're trying to like get him to say like either he is gay or like, or that like he's had something. And then you're like, well, of course you're not going to say anything to me. Your wife's right there. <laughs> like, I, I love all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, like kind of pushing those buttons and like, like making people like kind of uncomfortable in, in public is, is just always so funny to me. Me too. There's, there's something about when you find the right question or uh, it really is like you kind of, you're like an improv guy to some degree, right? Yeah. Like yeah. When you find the right, I guess, game with someone that essentially they lose no matter what. Oh yeah. And yeah, not you are uh, playing in a thousand percent control. It, 
yeah. whatever they say at that point, you're like, you're playing right into everything that I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. It, it, like what you just said, if you're going to someone, you're like, obviously you're not going to tell me you're gay if your wife's here, but like between me and you. But between like, you And know, then so yeah. it's like, if they say no, it's because their wife's there. Right. right. <laughs> if yeah, they, if you they, have a safety net around everything. Yeah. And if they're like, dude, I'm not going to talk about this right now. And you go, I know I wouldn't either. She's right yeah. here. We'll talk about something else. And then you pretend just a couple of straight guys. Like yeah. <laughs> or, or even if he leans into the joke and he's like, he's like, yeah, my wife's here. Like you get, you're getting gold right there. Too. Leaning in doesn't work. Like there's no win for them where they go, Oh, I'm just gay. And you go, yeah, we, yeah, okay, that's what we wanted. <laughs> okay, cool, well, that's a soundbite. Thanks so much. And then, then you'd go over to the wife, be like, how do you feel about this? Like, playing along with yeah. it. Your, son, uh, your uh, husband <laughs> just said that he was gay. Uh, your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's just no winning. Yeah. Yeah, those are the ones where... I think that's another part of knowing how the edit works is because you're sort of like fiddling around with all these little things. And then as soon as you find one, you kind of need to know how the editing is going to work too. And then you're kind of like, you click into like what that, you're like, oh, here's our our moment. Have you gone through a like a like trial and error phase with some other editors in, in the past? I edit uh, all my stuff. You edit all your stuff. I'm trying to find people that are good enough to get it to you know, 90%. Yeah, right. But you always do that last polish, huh? Yeah. And a lot of times I do the, you know, run throughs with them at first, but mm -hmm. the only editors, so I, the, I found two or three editors that are really good enough to like put together those kind of like videos that are all very like music based and editing is a big component of it. Right. And for the most part, those editors were all like very successful, you know, YouTubers on their own merit or whatever, right? Yeah. So finding someone that, is an editor that like wants to work full time for someone and all that stuff. That's the difficult part. But you find if you find the right person that's young enough and there's you know you can make it worth it enough for them. I think the best case scenario is you you have to spend more time writing. Like you know when you're writing sketches, you can write it where you go, we'll figure this out a bit, or you can write it where you go, no, you'll figure it out now in your script. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I've you know in the past for sure made the mistake of uh, like. Well, like riffing ending. No, riffing. Dude. I don't believe in improv and, oh, and sketches. Goodness. Oh, interesting. No, so I have a... There's an old editing uh, saying that I listened to, and it was like... I can't remember who said it. I think it was... might have been one of the editors at College Humor back in the day, but he, he said that um, uh, fades are for pussies that don't know how to cut. Oh. And I always... I do kind of think that improvs for pussies that don't know how to write. Whoa, freaking bars, dude. But so that doesn't mean so the, I, I'll still, if you're doing like documentary style, I'll do very much where it's like, Hey, we're going to do, I know all these, I know all the lines we're saying, but we'll figure it, but I might rearrange how it's going. Yeah. Or I can actually edit it in my script where I'm like, no, here's the first line. Here's the Like, you know what I'm for real. And I think that is a, a thing to do if you are trying to toss off editing to someone. Right. Pick the music beforehand, even sometimes, you know, you can do all that sort of stuff. So there's a lot of that component that don't. That makes sense. Yeah, you can help get it to that. Uh, but uh, here's another thing that I say with if I'm doing scripts to, uh, to uh, if I'm giving scripts to people that are, fun that are funny that you're working with, I'll say, you're allowed to. Uh, um, come up with any lines you want, but you have to give them to me before we start shooting and they have to be shorter than the original line oh. and say the same thing. Cause most times people either make it longer 
for no reason. Yeah. Most people make it longer and they give you something that uh, changed the point. So you're kind of like, and the I find that 90% of people's, uh, especially people that don't write and do a lot of sketch, what the what the bit they give you is almost like a breaking the fourth wally sort of thing. That's what, yeah, yeah, where people will always sort of make it like longer and funnier, and where it's like actually staying in the bit is funnier in the reality of things. Sure. So they sort of make what would be make people laugh at the time. So I find most people's things. So that's why I feel like that helps to say that the point has to be the same. Because as soon as they, sure. if you're going to do something that might seem funnier at the time, but it will actually seem less funny in the edit, they'll oh, change yeah. the point. You're cracking up the crew or whatever at the moment. But when you get back to the edit bay, you're like, oh, this was just funny the day of. This isn't translating. And it actually kind of took away from all the other lines too, because you kind of didn't have the guts to like commit to the point you're trying to make. Right. Yeah, so that and then the shortness, because always there's like a, a rhythm to the thing. And then other people that don't know your rhythm, they'll make something that kind of like takes too long and gets off rhythm. So it's like, as long as it's shorter, we can fill up space. But if it's longer, you're going to get off top. And he was like, I can do that once or twice in the sketch. But it's like if you have two ideas and they're both like the moments where the sketch like gets off rhythm, it's like, well, we're kind of tying our hands here. Did you ever do like um like uh film competitions or anything like that back in the day in Canada? No, because I, I was uh I was I was like into making videos and DVDs and all that stuff, mm -hmm. but really I was into being in a band. Right. So this was like this thing that we also did. Like our band was releasing DVDs and all that sort of stuff. But so were you shooting the, the content for the DVDs and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah. We were just yeah. like straight up like troublemaker kids making like what we saw as like jackass Tom Green Cra stuff. Craziest but. show you've ever done? The like live show? Like, well, yeah, with the with your band. Oh, with or the band? Like, or like we touring. did an arena tour. We did like an arena tour before with people. What? Yeah. But we did, we, our band probably in our peak, we were doing like a thousand people around that's amazing Canada. but we used to do pretty well dude it would be up your alley we did like we would do costumes so in a show we would do like three costume changes i mean i love that <laughs> yeah it's pretty fun that. right yeah yeah yeah. so we'd start normal and then we'd come out in like superheroes and then we'd have like a, a drum solo then someone would leave and then some people would come back with different we were doing all that sort of stuff and we had like dancers and like all sorts of weird ass shit so we, there was a while where we were getting pretty weird. I, we had a pyro on the the drums and shit like that. I was getting pretty into all that wild stuff. Yeah, pyro on the drum. I love all that stuff. I want to get back I'm, to it. I'm all about. Have you ever thought of infusing that, like when, like, uh, like on a special down down the road or anything? Like, yeah, like doing some pyro and different. Like, I seen Schultz cool stuff. is getting up to some interesting stuff. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, whoever his editor is is uh, he's got a cool little team. He's got a great team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the pyro and like some of like the variety aspect that he's doing, I know, is really cool. Well, there was something to be said about. So I was at be up until the pandemic, I was doing an uh, like releasing an hour, or, you know, not an hour, forty five minutes, fifty minutes every maybe year and a half, year year and a half. That's great. But if you once you're touring after that, there is something to be said about. It's like. What do you do once you rate immediately, right? So I think there is something to be said about if you're going to be releasing hours pretty frequently, other than the tour right before, doing a tour where you're kind of like doing some other stuff. People like it, and then you're doing an actual 20 to 30 minutes of stand-up. Mm -hmm. Might be like a fun way to kind of be 
touring in those spots too. So I've been thinking about it, but then I go back and forth where you go. A part of me is like, oh, this is sick. And then a part of me is like, fuck off. Just do stand up. Like stop. That's the, I feel like that's the New York LA thing where I go, each person needs a bit of the other where New York is probably closer to Toronto where everyone's like too cool for everything. Right. Like it's like trying is, you know, ugh. Like everyone's too cool for, for Schultz right? Bing from New York. He's probably one of the most LA guys. He is very at, LA. You know what I mean? Yeah. As far as like approach with the theatrics and, and yeah. just like, just the way he just puts on a show is very much more like. And he's not afraid to try. Exactly. Which is a big difference between, I feel like, when people like label the club and alt scenes. Like, I've done some shows literally in certain parts of LA. Where I wasn't doing well with the crowd because I was trying. Does that make sense? Yeah, I do. Like, I was committing. I was going all out with Act House. And I was like, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Like, they're like, this is like too much for this crowd. They literally just want somebody to like muse on like little like perspectives on on the current events or something like that. Well, because it's deconstructionalist and then you're actually doing it, right? Yeah. Like a lot of those scenes, the whole gimmick is you're like make like you're like as if we're actually doing like you're making fun of it. Right. So as soon as someone's you're making fun of comedy and someone's like, no, I'm just actually doing comedy. And they're like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're like, "Uh." what are you fucking what kind of loser actually what kind of loser does this for real yeah i mean sure we're at the venue on a comedy show that we promoted pretty hard yeah (laughs) but 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 nobody paid for the ticket (laughs) (laughs) you know it's like what isn't the end goal to go out there and do the thing no i kind of but i do have both of those like socks by the way yeah i always i always try to have cool socks these are sushis dude what (laughs) those are fire I was thinking that uh, that was me being very LA when I, I was, I was thinking that I need to start like a sock line. That'd be cool. You got some LA up. vibes today, bro. Yeah, yeah I got some... a little. I mean, I think I have both to be honest. Where it's yeah. I, and I go back and forth on myself. Where sometimes I get very and and even on whether that be like the way I'm editing, whether that be the way the stuff I'm writing. Uh, mm-hmm. the stuff I'm doing on stage or even how you like run a business. I often, I, I go back and forth between like, which of those two is the more like authentic me. I'm like, fuck, am I, is this, am I, uh, like, am I fucking being too like LA where I'm just like pretending to try to, I don't know. Or am I actually the other person? I think you have both of them in you. Oh, for sure. I like, I, I get inspired when, like, when we're just a skank fest and you see comics who do things that are, that they, that's their thing and that's not your thing. I always get inspired because I'm like, wow, they're so good at that. And I could, I could work on that element in my act yeah. a little bit more. You know what I mean? Like, I watch somebody like Mike Vecchione do some sets. So and funny. He's so funny. He has so many jokes per minute. And that's just a different, um, it's a different kind of pacing and musicality. Uh, with the way you write and stuff he, like that. He does have a very like specific musicality to his thing. It's contagious, yeah. to be honest. And once people are in it, though, they're freaking vibing. Exactly. And it's, and it's, a, it's a hard act to follow because you're like, oh, I got to reset this to a completely different palette for- You have to. You have to. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's. it is interesting when people are all like in the pocket doing their thing, like what Skankfest was. And there was- that's when I was, I was kind of, we were, I was hanging out with Colm a lot and we were sort of having this conversation because it is very, sometimes 
even like when people are talking about like let's say i was doing dave's thing and everyone's talking about pretty serious cultural stuff right mm-hmm. and then sometimes you're kind of like yeah whatever and like yeah who cares and just making jokes and it was like well yeah anyone could be too cool to like actually engage in the debate well that's that's what was uh, i actually liked a lot about um <coughs> excuse me the um the roast of uh luis j gomez Shane Gillis was making fun of the roast the whole time. Like that was like he's like this, yeah, is, he this did, is this uh... is dumb. But which I think is usually a very easy thing to say or like to play that point of view. But he had the jokes to back it up which made it that much funnier that he's like this is dumb why are we here? And then he would start <laughs> yeah, killing, yeah, yeah. and I'm like, "Oh, you just sort of pull the rug away from everyone else, <laughs> right?" Like, so that, like, to me, like, like I was like, "That's the like, best." But you still did it. <laughs> yeah, that's the best point of view. Like, I'm like, I haven't seen this. I've seen a lot of comics do like, "Oh, this is dumb," but then they don't have the material to back it up. But yeah, he had yeah, the material. Yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah. Oh, that's funny. One of, one of my favorite moments of Skankfest. I was just like, well, like I have this memory. Of just I walked by you one point, and you just go, "This is crazy," and then we just kept walking. <laughs> <laughs> I just have that like like stamped in my head is like you know when you like have like little cliff notes of the weekend of just like little memories I just like, I see you going this is crazy and then I was like yeah I just keep walking I just robbed a guy yeah is that <coughs> blood on a gun what is that it's wild right it's crazy this is nuts dude it's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> we had a few moments where I was with like the are you garbage guys and there was I and, love them. Yeah, and there was like ten of us and we're all it was getting way too into like nine guys being like, dude, isn't it sick we get to do this? And, and there was like, all right, we need to take a break yeah, from yeah, whatever we're doing right out. now. Everybody take a seven eleven break, go get some snacks, and then we'll reconvene. <laughs> it's so fucking sick. Dude, it's just like it's just, it's just wild. This is just wild. Dude, is it free speech amazing? Dude, I is, it, is it cool to congregate with friends? <laughs> I had, there was in Toronto, we used to have this, uh, there's this club I used to do, the Corner Comedy Club. And a lot of the kind of st- inside jokes I did there, I kind of brought to like America and was, and was doing, uh, some of them like went viral and stuff as jokes. But there was this, we used to have this thing where we're like, boys, 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 like outside the club, right? And there's this one guy, Danny Martinello, who's like a good friend of ours, just a fucking Canadian beast, right? And he goes so jazzed up. He fucking goes, yeah. And then he comes up and he goes, I fucking love being a dude. <laughs> just the, the most, we're, we're all, everyone's just like, all right, we need to. Yeah, dude, dude guys, can, we, can you just take a fire extinguisher <laughs> off the wall? You start yeah. <laughs> dude, it was legitimately, <laughs> the funniest thing in the world just fucking legends hanging outside the club no girls <laughs> the guy goes I fucking love being a dude all of it dude unironically yeah and we're all just like Danny Marnell fucking rules <laughs> but, but we go that's the peak I think we everyone's like alright let's back do you, inside do you think I think we did it do you think women are ever that aggressively like I love being a lady <laughs> being girl fucking rules <laughs> hell best? no I don't think so <laughs> hell no because and especially in the in the the climate, like, do you know? There's always underlying something that is making fun of. Like, there was also underneath it the like extra funniness that how not okay it is for like a comedy club to just be only guys on a lineup. Oh right, right, right. This is like peak 2016, 2017, where you know what I mean. The whole thing is how toxic you know comedy clubs are and then we're outside the comedy club just no girls in sight no girls on the show just being like fucking dudes rock like 
it's also extra funny, like how kind of not okay it is. <laughs> That's where comedy comes from. People laughing at things we shouldn't be laughing at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like the, it's the like, definition. The fuck, this club, like girls have boycotted because they're like, there's too many dudes here. <laughs> like, we go, this is what, this is like, if they were making a parody of this club, right. <laughs> they'd be like, oh, it's these guys outside the club, like yelling about how sick it is to be dudes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like somebody walks by, like, like go fucking suck. <laughs> a female comic walks by and she goes, do you know who books this club? And then, like, <laughs> You hear the guy go, I love being a dude. You're like, oh, yeah, that's the book right there. <laughs> being a dude fucking rules. This is the best, dude. Yeah. Dicks rule. Pussy's fucking drool. Yeah, the sign-up sheet's over there. So anyway. <laughs> She's like, it's real. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah it was, we're going, I can't believe this is it. This is legitimately their, like, worst fear at the, like, all the club of what, they, what they think this comedy right, club is. And then it's literally coming to fruition right in front of their eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to get into this next segment. It's called Fanning Out. Fanning Out. Questions from fans. So I reached out to people on the internet and I said, if you could ask Ryan Long a question or a scene suggestion, perhaps, what would it be? People reached right back. And this one comes from Gilberto underscore J underscore Bertipus. What's Ryan Long's favorite Canadian metal band? Okay. I would say it's like a punk metal kind of combination, but propagandy probably. Propagandy. Yeah, they're more probably more. I was Look more of a up. punk guy. You know, protest the hero maybe. For that, but okay. I mean, that sounds propaganda. Like, uh, protest the heroes. Publicly, sometimes it's privately profitable. The anthem of the Yepature Propature. Untouchable focus. A moment, not in approval. Bury your heads in the bargains of this neo colonials. That's what I'm doing. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's a shout out to Canadians, though. Yeah. Shout out, Canadian. Yeah. Love. Protest the hero, probably. Uh, Okay, uh, this is um... cancer bats. That's a, that's another good one. They're all like punk a bit though. Revelet's finest just wants to know your favorite moment of Skankfest. Favorite moment of Skankfest. Uh, I remember walking by, and then Jeremiah just came and looked at me, and he goes, "This is crazy." <laughs> huh? <laughs> It was a callback from before. Um, the, I'll tell you, I, I'll, the, my favorite. Nice. This is, crazy, isn't it? is that what these are? Uh, I'll tell you, my favorite actual moment was probably in the mornings when I woke up and couldn't speak. And then that moment after the shower where I got my voice back, because my voice is always so fucked, right? So I woke up in the morning, I go, and I was like, fuck, oh no. And then I would take a shower and then I would, I would do exercises. And then I was like, and we're back. <laughs> Live to play another day. You're back to a morning radio <laughs> DJ. Like every time you regain your voice, you're like, and we're back on the show. Yeah, we were hanging out with Josh Adam Myers, and he was like, he'd just been with Steve-O all weekend, and he was goes, yeah, and I was with Steve-O, and you know how Steve-O is. Hey, I'm Steve, and we're like, I mean, me and you both have that voice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was like, neither of us need to modify anything to do that impression. Oh, yeah, it's, it's the exact same thing steve-o is one of my favorite impressions to do for the people who know you do a good steve-o i do a pretty good steve-o can we hear it yeah absolutely so do you want to ask steve any questions steve-o what was it like putting the beer bong up your ass dude i didn't think that my butthole like was gonna actually like engulf it but like 
once I put it up there, it was actually like pretty pretty chill. Whoa. Like I've had certain things on there before, but like the fluid that went into it was pretty gnarly, dude. <laughs> That's sick. Yeah, dude. I wish I could. I I get told by a lot of people that I look like a younger Bam Margera. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, you definitely <laughs> look like that. Yeah, man. What's the biggest thing you put up your butt, Ryan? Yeah, um, for me. Yeah. What I've been, and this is, uh, I'm, I don't know if I should be telling everyone this. But, Dude, just do it, man. So I'm friends with uh, Danny Polishuk, a Jewish man. And I've, when I left his house, I put his gold, the family's Jewish gold, up my butt. Jewish gold? Yeah. That's sick. So if, uh, ever, I don't know if you're familiar with, this is an old South Park tale, but every family has one. But they do keep it somewhere, and they will pat you down when you leave their house. So it does help. If you can uh, find a spot for it, my butthole there has been made lots of room. So, did you film it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I did. Oh, I feel like I, I, I should, I should have better Steve-O questions. Okay, so no, it's all good, man. I gotta go. <laughs> See you later, dude. Bye. <laughs> Steve-O rules, dude. Dude, I love Steve-O. It's, it's a, Oh, all right, dude. That's I can't do it. Fuck. I mean, your voice is already Rich. pretty close. I know. Yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah. Oh, the, oh. If you close off your throat a little bit more. Nice, dude. That fucking rules. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. That's fucking the shit. No, that is that is. It's closed off, and it was he. He must have bad vocal cord nodes. But I had that idea to get surgery. Well, on you them. know why his voice is like that, right? No, it's from is it's from him throwing up so much over the years. Maybe it's a big part of why it he sounds had a like a voice like that before. He, he sounded like that before, where it's raspy, but it's it's why it sounds so much like the way it does like now. Like the acid compared... wrecked his vocal cords. Yep. Yeah, yep. maybe that's what that's what he says. Yeah, but <laughs> but also that could be yeah, <laughs> that could be like him being like like Nah, dude. I used to have a smooth voice, dude, but then I started throwing up all the time, man. People always have you know some reason like some reasons why they say their voice is bad, like. And it's never true. I don't know. I feel like... Have you heard Miley Cyrus's voice compared to when she was like a teenager? No, it's all messed up. It's a night and day difference. It's insane. Yeah. But that's a lot of smoking. And she said uh, from nodes from touring too hard as a young I had to get nodes woman. taken away. from. Uh, I had to get the surgery. Yeah. Lasers. J-Mo did too. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It is a it is like a mess, but it did it did help right after. Oh, I'm sure. I don't know. People always say like... Even people go, oh, drink tea and stuff. And you're just like... You're... The tube that the tea goes down is not the tube that your vocal cords are in. Right, right. The only thing that really helps is sleep, quit smoking. Yeah. Stop yelling. Don't do coke. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best doctor exam. It really like, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Warm For figuring up. Out, yeah. Sleep's the number one. Sleep, dude. Every time that I lose my voice is because I'm not sleeping enough. Yeah, I know. That's that's all. And I'm not drinking of water. Water, 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 water. Don't eat weird stuff before you go to sleep, like pizza and, and carbs and stuff like that. Acid. That's a hard food. one for me. I'm like, Ugh. especially if you're on the road and stuff like that. That's but really none hard. of that stuff matters if you're sleeping. Okay. Yeah. It, yes. I mean, sleep does heal a lot of good stuff. Uh, literally, somebody said that you look like a young uh, Bam Margera. I get it so much. I don't know. What do you think? Do you believe it? 
Um, I think it's just more like the, I guess so. Like the, it's more like the, the, the whole curly, picture. Yeah. Like the aesthetic. If you, if you vibe. dyed your hair. Yeah. I mean, you have tattoo. It's more like you're in that genre of BAM. I get it. People always say they go, I don't really see it. But then every video that's like 10 comments. Yeah. I mean, if you have dark hair, maybe and some other, like change some other features. Who knows? He got big, eh? Oh yeah. <laughs> Dude. Real big. Dude, Bam kicks ass. I remember when uh, uh, fucking like Tom Green was on, talking to Tony Hawk about uh, those guys kind of stealing his show back in the day, and they were going, "They, uh, I remember they're telling me that." Well, I, I go, I can wake up my parents. I invented waking up my parents, and they go, "You can't wake them up like Johnny Knoxville." <laughs> they stole the show. What would be a dream tour for each of you? You found it on Instagram. A dream tour. I think the nightmare tour would be to tour with a band. I think that people think that would be cool and it's actually a nightmare. Pro probably like a dream tour. I think it would be cool to do... Uh, this is going to be such a lame answer because dream tour, I think, like a band, it's, you kind of pick another band. But I, I was thinking that... It would be cool to do like a co-headline like theater tour where you do like half hour each with someone. That's it. That's the whole, that'd <laughs> that's be dope. The whole answer. Yeah, that'd be dope. But that's not the dream. Yeah. I think for me, it's like the touring part is like, I don't know if there is. It's just ideally the dream tour is one uh, notch bigger than you're doing now. You go right now I'm doing this many seats on the road. Like hopefully a year from now, it's more than that. But I do think of dream like you know, locations and videos would and stuff you, like that. You, like I would love to make a, a a sketch where it's like, I have a whole auditorium filled with like extras and stuff like that. Like it would be cool that I, I always think of stuff like that. Like I would love to do a, a thing with a car crash scene. Like I think of filming things that would be a dream to do. Was it Chelsea Peretti who, um, did she had like actors in her special in the audience? Was that her who did that? I don't know, but I think so. She would cut to like a clown in the audience that ran. It was, I think it was her special was called One of the Greats. Did you think it was cool? The way it was done, I actually liked it because it was like, it was clear that they filmed some of it like um, after she was just saying stuff. So she would set, they recorded it with her just doing her act, but she's referencing something that's not there. So people are like, huh, huh. Right. And then it's cutting later to, then they had the audience in on the joke with her and the costumes or different stuff. It was interesting. Yeah. I liked it though. I thought it was funny. There's a lot of, I mean, there's a, I feel like that's the New York LA thing again, where a part of me is just like, that's like hipster shit where it's like, well, instead of just doing like a comedy special, you kind of do all this other shit. Like, there's so many people where I'm just like, you'll, these people will do everything to avoid actually having to like write jokes and do comedy. <laughs> Freaking laying down bars today. But there is so many people where it's like, you know, it's just everything but here's like an hour of good comedy. But then a part of me does like, I remember David Cross, his intro once, which I thought was the coolest intro ever, where it starts off, he's in a, he's in a, at a restaurant and everyone's like, uh, hey, do you mind if I take a photo of you? And he goes, okay, thank you. He goes, hey, oh, I'm a big fan. Can you take a photo? And then someone comes over and they're like, 
hey, my husband's across the street and it's his birthday. Do you mind coming over and doing an hour of stand up? <laughs> he goes, All right, do you mind if I, and he goes and then that's a special, like that's right. how it starts. So I'm like, I do like, like silly gags and stuff like that. But yeah. there's some degree of when, uh, like, who is it that did a special last year where they're just like, there's no audience and it was just a special and it was just like, the fuck is this <laughs> there's a handful of those kind of specials in the quarantine for sure that went around yeah They're it's like, yeah. like i don't know you know sure okay it's like i don't know dude sure <laughs> I, I have friends that like met they always come up to me with these like wacky ideas and it's like it always just you're, feels you're, you're like a sketch guy right okay here's here's my pitch yeah, yeah. and it all, a lot of their ideas feel like um do you know, like when someone doesn't want to settle down and be in a relationship or get married mm -hmm. and they come up with like, well, actually, like polyamory is like, no, you have three and you have this. And it was like to just admit that you don't want to get married. It's fine. But it's like, don't try to pitch me that this is like some new thing that's better. <laughs> or equally as good. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah, I get it. You're like, you know, you're making up all these new reasons because you don't want to do this other thing where it's like. A lot of times it feels like that to me where it's like, no, you just, you don't really feel confident doing like an hour right now and that's fine, but don't try to justify this is some better thing. <laughs> you're like, I, I, I like chocolate cake and you're presenting like a nut salad over here. Yeah, they're, they're, they're two different things. They're both edible, but like, I want this thing. Yeah. It's, it's all. And I think a, it, all of that stuff to me comes a little bit of like. If you've, okay, well, but do the other thing first. Like, did you release three specials that are like awesome? And and do that first before you do your wacky years, I think. Interesting. I would say do, be, should, prove that you can do the thing really good a few times. And then and then you deserve to experiment kind of down well, the Well, then you can deserve to make fun of it. Kind of like uh. every comedian when they first start, or disrespect it to some degree. Like every every comedian when they first start, they're always like making fun of comedy, right? Like because it's, that's why young com young sketch comedy is all deconstructionalist because it's so much easier to make fun of the thing than it is to do it. You know, everyone's got the like, hey, Riggs, you know what I mean? Because it's like, well, yeah, it's easier to make fun of like the cliches of cop movies than it is to make a good cop movie. Because I think that most people that are funny are able to like pick up on what's crappy before they are yeah. able to replicate what's good. Interesting. That's what, that's kind of how I see it. So that's why young comedy is always like deconstructioning deconstructionalist cliches uh, of that are bad because mm -hmm. you can point out what's bad and make fun of it easier than you can actually do something that's good. But I think there is a point with stand up specifically that at some point I think to be great you need to actually leave your like childish this is so lame and actually do it then you can still have your parts of it. I think, you know, even the Louis C.K. at his best is still like kind of, yeah, I know we're, you know, I'm telling you fake stories. Whatever. Like there's, a, you can always, you know, still be that a little bit and maintain your cool kid like attitude. Yeah. But at the same, at the end of the day, like you're still trying to uh, create like great jokes and bits. That makes sense. Without just pointing out what other people do bad. <laughs> <laughs> right. Does the, that's like the low hanging fruit is kind of what you're saying yeah yeah I mean I don't know like I think like I like I think he's super funny but it's like 
there are a lot of like comics in that realm where their specials of their stand up is just like here's what a bad comic looks like and you're just like I think I'd rather I'd like that better if if you had like a killer special that was like awesome first and then you go here's what a bad stand up is like okay well what does a good one look like <laughs> I'm still trying to figure that out <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 I just to me that I don't know it's a, I guess it's like a genre of like for sure pointing out what's bad, but I feel like it's it's a it that that's a young man's game as well. Well, we are going to close it out with some sax talk. Oh, sax talk. Okie dokie. Ryan Long is going to share a story of a sexual encounter while I play some sweet sweet sax along with it. And whenever you're ready, I will follow you along, Ryan. I got a good. Uh, Story from back when I was in uh, the T dot, the six, the Drizzy Drake environment. But I was uh, dating this girl, probably too early for her to mention this. But she comes, she comes in. We'd had sex maybe once at the time, and she was like, "My thing during sex is I want you to pretend that I'm like a pedophile, and then uh, treat me like I'm a pet." Or so she was. I want you to treat me like I'm ten. And pretend I'm ten during sex. Yeah, so she wants me to kind of come up and be like, "Yeah, you're a ten year old, and I'm a grown man." I go, "So that's your fetish that I'm a pedophile." And I go, "Well, I think if you're gonna be ten, like I should be ten too. Like that's the only way this works is if we're both ten, not like you're like I'm ten and I'm oh, and I'm fifty five. Cause to me, I feel like that doesn't work for me. Where you're getting your thing, where you go, I got to be 10, and that's the only way I can finish. And I'm like, well, I don't think that I would like to be having sex with a girl where I'm pretending that I'm a pedophile. So it's a bit of a one-way street. The only way that I'll do it is if you go, I'm 10, and I'll go, well, me too. And you say, let's have sex. And then I'll say, what sex? And I spin my propeller cap and we'll both be 10. But there, so we would actually, uh, and I, also I'm like basically trying not to laugh the whole time when she's like, oh, you know, I know in my, my dad's room, are you going to come get me? So in, in this scenario, not only am I uh, an adult having sex with a 10 year old, she wants me to be, she wants me to be breaking into like, a, the, you know, her dad's house essentially. And then uh, also the other part I was saying was, because this has been, you know, a small little condo in Toronto with thin walls and stuff. So the one time where, the one time we did do this, I was kind of like, all right, but like, on the, keep it down a bit because she'd be like, oh yeah, yeah, I just finished grade four or whatever, right? And I'm just like, all right, but we have neighbors, so you gotta keep it down a bit or the cops are gonna bust down the door like that's the guy get him but I think that's the same as all these weird fetishes they don't seem to make sense to me whereas someone's like I wanna be treated like a dog and then so, you know I'm gonna ruff, ruff, that's how we have sex and you go well for the other person they don't wanna have sex with a dog so it doesn't work both ways.
But that being said, I did get through it once, and then I go, I kind of was afterwards. I was like, all right, we're not going to be, uh, that, that whole thing's not going to be working for me, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a creative take, though, to be like, I'll have sex with you as a 10-year-old, but only if I'm 10 as well. Yeah, we got to both I mean, be 10. That makes, that's like the best justification for somebody with a weird fetish to be like, well, <laughs> how about we're in the same age group at least? Yeah, yeah, Can yeah. Can we barter here a little bit? Because this is a creepy suggestion. I was not. Wow. But like, here's my thing. When you guys were having sex and she's acting like a 10-year-old, did she... Have the language of a ten-year-old? Kind of. Did she have it down? It was, or was it yeah, weird? like sucking on thumb, like that kind of stuff, Ugh. which isn't even ten. Like that's like two. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, I, I forgot, me and my friends used to always make fun of this. But it was like sucking on the thumb, and I was like, that's not ten. That's like two. So it's like her fetish is like Benjamin buttoning, like ninja. Then she starts like, when you're like, what the? I thought we, what, I think we're ten. Does somebody need <laughs> a nap? Yeah, I go. Well, this isn't ten. Like, what? Yeah, I thought we were doing, but that. She's like, give me my formula. <laughs> <laughs> it was all very like I'm in you gotta sneak me out of my dad's room and it was that, that kind of like yeah. this weird <laughs> what a fun way to uh, close out the podcast <laughs> uh, Ryan where can people uh, find you um, where uh, on social media and also like uh, if you have uh, upcoming tour dates this will be out on Monday this will be out on Monday which means you can catch me in uh, Melrose and uh, and Irvine, so I'm doing twenty uh, third, twenty fourth, Melrose and and Irvine, and uh, at Ryan Long Comedy YouTube.com slash Ryan Long Comedy. Uh, I release a video every Monday and my podcast every Friday. The Boys Cast with Ryan Long. Heck yeah, dude! Thanks so much for doing the show. All right, peace, peace.